and welcome everyone. This is now another exciting episode of the Army of Smartness podcast. I'm your co-host Ryan, and with me as always, the man of the hour. Too sweet to be sour. Mr. JD. JD, how you be? Look in my eyes. What do you see? The cult of personality. I know your anger. I know your dreams. I've been everything you want to be. Oh, I'm the cult of personality. Our long national nightmare, not quite over, but appears to have an end date, uh, Ryan. I'm uh, doing well, doing fine. We're going to talk, get into all the CM Punk news and all the other uh, news that has broken. We will fix it in short order here. But how are you, most importantly? Eh, Jabroni. Eh. Colonel Mustafa say, fuck the CM Punk. CM Punk hot pee. I am doing just fine. I'm here playing with toys. Hey. Uh, Thankfully, that buzzing doesn't come through on the uh, on the audio. Yeah, well, I... Uh, I'm here just hanging out, man. It's been a busy week. It's going to get even busier next week. Um, there you go. And then uh, hopefully I'll be able to take a little sabbatical, I hope. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So as soon as that happens, I'll be a much happier camper. By the we way, shout out. Can- happy in camping, though. Are you going to go camping? You know, I've been camping several times, and I must say, I didn't really. There were several times I went camping. I was not happy. Well, let me ask you this. <clears throat> You work hard uh, on the nine to five, and even past that, uh, Monday through Friday, sometimes Saturday, sometimes even on Sunday, to afford your your nice house and your nice things within the house. So when you get the opportunity to take some time to yourself, leave all of that and go live in the woods like you have no money and no job. Exactly. What What are you doing? What are you doing? Come on. I mean, what is this anti-Darwinism crap here? That's insane. It's insanity. Enjoy the fruits of your labor. Enjoy the progress that mankind has made by the grace of God. And, uh, you know, stay in the house where there's air conditioning and no insects. Well, absolutely enjoy air conditioning one of these days. Um, I'm actually going to be gone, not this weekend, but the following three weekends. Uh, various trips. Next, uh, actually, next weekend is going to be to Columbus. Uh, we got the Georgia GOP convention. The you down with GOP? Yeah, you know me. Uh, that the following weekend, I'm either going to be in Adel or I'm going to be out on Defusky Island. I'm not sure. Uh, Those are two very different places. What? Uh, just just depends on when the nephew decides he wants to have a birthday party. There you go. Um, and the following weekend, I will be in Huntsville, Alabama, Top Guy Weekend. Mm-hmm. Rubbing Dean elbows, Conradison. Being rubbing elbows with all the B listers. Um, there you go. But uh, anyways, and then, of course, that following Monday, Monday Night Raw is coming here to the hostess city, Savannah, where I have front row seats. Well, can't hide money. No, you sure can't, but you can show off debt. There you go. But uh, follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Facebook at Army of Smartness. And, of course, email that Gmail, armyofsmartness at gmail.com. Give us that five-star review. Would love to hear some comments, great comments, bad comments, nasty comments. So long as you comment, that's what I want to hear. Miss Jackson, if you're nasty. 
Well, you certainly can be, dear. <laughs> of course, what we're talking about today, we're winding it all the way back to WCW Clash 14. Uh, we're going to be talking about, uh, well, some rather unfortunate visuals there. Of course, mm -hmm. this happened January 30th. I think. <laughs> this, went, this took place January 30th, 1991. The Georgia Mountain Center in Gainesville, Alabama. Or as they say uh, in Gainesville, it's Gainesville. Uh, it's not Georgia, not, in fact. not Alabama. That's you different. You're thinking Gunnersville. I'm, I'm over Alabama. here. I'm over here thinking Huntsville, Alabama. No, I thought you were thinking Gunnersville because they both have big lakes uh, there. Neither of which are named Gitchigumi, but uh, but yeah, both Gainesville, Georgia, and Gunnersville, Alabama have big, uh, pretty, very beautiful, uh, picturesque lakes. Whereas uh, Gainesville, Florida, has I-75 to get out, and that's about it. That's the best thing to ever happen to Gainesville, Florida. I-75. And, um, but uh, I'm also talking, of course, about Gainesville, Georgia. Uh, it took place January 30th, 1991 at the Georgia Mountain Center. Well, Teddy, we, that, we, wanna, we wanna talk talk a little, uh, little CM? Little, little uh, we're, we're going to hit the headlines, okay. of course. We're going to hit the headlines. Right. You hold your damn horses. All right. Hey, listen, it's exciting. It's very exciting times to live in now. We got the third or fourth. Four, how many um technically how, how many shows does AEW have there's only three or four days out of the week they're missing now i think well uh let's talk about uh well before we get into mr punk uh returning spoiler alert uh there was a uh dark side of the ring has returned yeah. uh this week and of course this uh past week was uh a story about mr chris candido and tammy sitch aka sunny mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. I uh actually there's there are very few shows he say that's that I actually watch as they are live. Dark Side of the Ring is one of them. Um I find it that would be for me if it didn't come on at ten o'clock. Well, yeah, there's that. But uh yeah, I find that their uh stories are generally pretty good, episodes are pretty good, and honestly I enjoyed this one. Uh I <sighs> I am just not that familiar with Tammy's work in Smoky Mountain and prior to WWF. Um, well, so Smoky was, Mountain was pretty much it, wasn't it? Prior to WWF. Well, she she had done a, a promotion or two before then, but they they had a they had a number of uh, you know Smoky Mountain obviously was that for her, but she had a. There were a number of old Smoky Mountain promos and uh, indie promos in which she had done that you really start to see that Sunny character develop. Absolutely. Um, and I mean, it starts as she, I, I didn't know that she had based the Sunny character on Hillary Clinton um, originally. That's, that's what that was. Um, but so she, she, well, starts... she based the Tammy Sitch character or Tammy Fitch character yeah, Tammy uh, Fitch. in Smoky Mountain on mannerisms of Hillary Clinton. Because as, as Jim Cornette points out in there, he knew that would piss off his uh, his customer base, which is what you want for a heel. But yeah, uh, and to your point, though, I mean, you can see the sun, the, the groundwork for Sonny there. All the best characters are always that person or some aspect of their personality. Turn to eleven, as they say in the business. So yeah, it's uh, it's interesting to see, but not necessarily surprising. And uh, we briefly discussed it uh, prior to 
her uh, coming. You probably could have done a Dark Side of the Ring episode just on Sunny. Yeah, you could have done uh, a Dark Side of the Ring on Sunny's last 10 years, 15 years. Well, we'll see uh, as far as as far as the rest of the episodes of the season are concerned on Dark Side of the Ring. I think that, but I, I found this to be very captivating. I thought that it told a good story. Had mm-hmm. I heard most of it, yes, I have heard most of it. Um, well, that's the case. A lot of these Dark Side of the Rings. Uh, there were. If you're, things. I mean, if you're into as in, if you are into wrestling to the extent that we are, that you willingly sacrifice your free time to make a podcast for basically yourself, because nobody else is listening. Uh, you know, you have heard most of these stories before, or many of them. Yeah, and there's uh, there's so many different there's so many different stories that they could have went with this year. Uh, they're going with Abdullah the Butcher, um, various other uh, Matt Bourne, I believe, is coming up in two weeks. Will be, yeah. Uh, but there's there's a whole lot of stories that I really want to want to hear. I, I I'd like to hear about Matt Bourne. Even though I, I think I've I've heard enough stories about him to really know what went on, but uh, we'll, we'll see. Um, generally speaking, these guys can dig something up. Like the the plane ride from Hill, I thought that I had heard everything about it. Right. Uh, turns out I did not. <laughs> but um, but anywho, so we'll we'll uh, keep our keep our wits about us and watch the rest of the season. What what did you think of it? Let me say this. Um, you know, you texted me and said, Oh man, it was so great, this and that. And I watched it and I texted you back that it's actually kind of flat. They left a lot of meat on the bone. Let me say, how interesting, shall we say, for lack of a better term, a life do you have to lead for you to have done a porno and they don't even mention it in your uh, in your Dark Side of the Ring episode? Uh, like Tammy, she in and out of jail for the last 10 years or so. God bless her. Um, yeah, and a, a porn, you know, a porn video that of dubious uh, quality. I guess I, I don't really know. I, I haven't seen as much of it as you have. Um, but <laughs> the <clears throat> yeah, the story of of Chris and Tammy is a tale as old as time. It, it is a tale of young love, and as so often happens with young love, it. it uh, devolves into a tale of cuckoldry, drug abuse, and uh, ultimately death, as so many young lovers do wind up. Mm. Um, You know, they didn't go into, I think they should have interviewed Raven. I would like to have heard Raven's two cents on this, because um, Raven is of the opinion from, from interviews I've heard with him. Everybody talks about how Tammy cheated on Chris and it broke his heart and he's this and he's that, but he loves her and can't leave her. And, but she's cheating on him with, you know, fill in the blank. Um, Ray was like, no, I think Chris knew about it and may have gotten not like it, it may have been a, a kink for him. Uh, so just an interesting perspective on that, that I have not really heard from a lot of other people, but I would have liked to almost not really get into the prurient details necessarily, but for, raise a counterpoint of because everything else makes look like Chris look like a sucker. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I would like to have heard somebody because in a sense that sort of Raven sticking up for Chris is like, no, he was in, I mean, he knew about it and was on board essentially, which it's up to you if you think that makes it better, but at least then he's not defenseless in, in some way. You know, I, mean, I don't know how, maybe I'm not explaining it correctly, but there, I feel like there's a counterpoint to be made. 
there potentially. But even according to Tammy, she didn't even know if he knew or not. Well, um, yeah, she may have been protecting him. I don't know. I mean, it's kind of embarrassing to say your boyfriend has a cuck fetish, probably, even if he's dead. But of course, thing, Raven's not too, that, not too embarrassed to say anything. So, well, one thing that really came across in all this that Chris was almost universally loved. Oh yeah, uh, by generally, I say generally, but by well, definitely everybody that spoke on this episode. I don't think sure. I don't think any, they didn't have anybody that was offering counterpoint. Chris is an asshole. Well, uh, stay tuned for next week. I believe next week is the Graham family, so stay tuned if you want some uh, counterpoint. <laughs> Um, there's going to be, I don't, who, who Mike rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Who who is going to be up there and say, yeah, great guys. (laughs) That's what I want. Yeah. yeah, That, that, uh, crazy alcoholic that stole his mother's corpse. Tune in next week. Great guy. Great guy. Salt of the earth. Really misunderstood. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He was, you know, (laughs) He he just wants to be with his mother. In case you don't know who I'm talking about, tune in to Dark Side of the Ring. I believe it's next week when they go over the Graham family, uh, the triumph and tragedy of the Graham family. I mean, that's a story on par with the Von Erichs. Granted, they're not all actually related uh, as the Von Erichs were, except for um, Lance. But no less an impact. If you look at Eddie's booking, oh. you know, and we talked about Billy, obviously, uh last week or Eddie, two weeks ago, whatever it Eddie, was. Billy and Mike and um, you know and Jer- Dr. Jerry Graham. I mean, you know, the the golden Grams, as it were. Uh, you know, they we probably underestimate the influence that Jerry Graham had on Vince McMahon. Because that was his favorite wrestler uh oh, growing up. So. so so anyway, uh but circling back to to Chris and Tammy, yeah, two things really, two positives about the about Chris particularly stuck struck out stuck out to me during this documentary. One, as you said, everyone loved him. No one had a bad word to say about him, and that from the shoot interviews I've seen, other than people thinking he was kind of a sucker for carrying on with Tam- or allowing uh, Tammy to carry on and staying with her. I've never heard anybody else really say another bad word about him. Secondly, yeah, this point was made several times. He was ahead of his time in terms of being limited size-wise, but you know, being able to do everything that you needed him to in the ring. Uh, now, I don't think that that means that, you know, I hate to keep using him as a scapegoat, but actually, no, I don't. I love doing that. Uh, Orange Cassidy is no Chris Candido. You know what I mean? They might be a similar height, or I don't know how tall orange is supposed to be but chris looks like an athlete um even at you know five eight or whatever he was um so i think that in the modern professional wrestling product he wouldn't stick out as being undersized like he did 20 25 years ago um so yeah an interesting dark side not my favorite because like i said if you're gonna go dark side of the good dark Go dark. There's some dark stuff about Chris and Tammy. More about Tammy, really. Um, but now she's doing 30 years? What's she doing? I don't think she's gone to Vehicular trial. homicide? She hasn't no, gone to trial yet, has she? I thought she was rung up. I thought she was ready to go. Hang on, let me look. I don't believe so. I could be wrong. Yeah, no, she hasn't been. She was Okay, uh, faces 26 years if convicted. 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, she uh, she is no longer out on bond. I mean, she's she's in jail awaiting trial. So, what do you say at something like that? I mean, I started to say God bless her, but I don't. I'm a well wisher in that out. I don't wish her any specific harm. Put it that way. Uh, you get you get what you get. So yeah, if it now if in fact the rumors are true and the accusation is true, innocent until proven guilty. But it certainly seems like something went on and she was the cause of it. So, well, I mean, her track record has not been uh, exemplary to this point. So, speaking of non-exemplary track records, um, Tony Khan made a big announcement. The other night, so uh, last night as as we record, Ryan, want to take us in, into that? Absolutely. The oh come on, you're supposed to say thanks, guys. <laughs> thanks, he guys. Thanks, guys. Somebody uh, read. I, I read where someone said he has to be putting the word blink in his teleprompter now because he's blinking at an almost a human pace in these announcements. <laughs> well, so the. Uh, big announcement, of course, is that Mr. CM Punk shall be returning to AEW at Collision in Chicago. No, the CM Punk show now. All right. The Chi-Town Collision. Um, it, it will be, of course, on Saturday, which I believe is the 16th? 17th. 17th. Um, From the date that I saw. I should know my birthday is that the, weekend. These, um, what do they call it? The the second dance or something like second that. Coming. Second, second coming. Second coming. That's it. Yes. So well, we talked second. about last week, we talked about the first coming and that uh, it was uh, the first time CM Punk came and it was um, exciting. Everybody was really into that. I mean, Everybody was, was really cheering him on as he was Well coming. regarded. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of merch moves. And especially when he came out. Um, well, this would be the month for that. Um, but yeah, now the, the, the thing with CM Punk, we, we, we kind of went over a lot last uh, last time out. Personally, probably wouldn't care to spend much time with him, but I'm a big fan of his uh, persona and ability in, in the ring. So if we're going to do what WWE should have done a long time ago with Raw and SmackDown to make them very distinctive brands, like you want all your cartoony, you know, Hulk Hogan rock and wrestling stuff, put that on Raw. You want the hard-hitting, you know, the SmackDown 6 uh, as it started off, you know, the good wrestling uh, product, in-ring product, put that on Fridays or SmackDown, or, you know, put on SmackDown, whatever. WWE started that with the brand split, but then it very quickly fell apart. I am going to choose to be optimistic that AEW can do this and make me happy. Um, if that means that AEW Collusion is going to have MJF, CM Punk, FTR, other people that don't have letters um, that are good in the ring, you know, I'm all for that. Um, but and you keep the trampoline cowboys as the phrase goes, and the and the glitter pony jeans cowboys or whatever the heck. Um, Adam, Adam, uh, was it Adam West? What's his name? Yeah, sure. Page Adam Adam Page. Uh, Adam Wee. That's him. So anyway, keep all that on dynamite and keep the other stuff on collusion. I'm good. I'm happy with that. I'm tickled with that. If Orange Cassidy stays brand specific to Dynamite and 
CM Punk says brand specific to uh, Collusion. I will want. I will watch one of those shows, and I'll let you guess which one. Dynamite, of course. Of course, you know what that means. <laughs> you need to catch up on some sleep, <laughs> right? Oh well, don't worry. I mean, you know, uh, Orange Cassidy's going to be the first one on, uh, and generally the first one to leave, and I'll be the first one to sleep. Um, but anyways, uh, good, good for CM Punk. There's a lot of money to be made on this. Absolutely. Um, and I think for the sets up a, a nice little paper next pay-per-view, uh, which speaking of pay-per-views, Jay Cargill, uh, was defeated yeah. by Chris Statlander and the streak the Hose championship. The streak is over. Hmm. Did you notice? Huh? Who's this now? Jay Cargill. Oh yeah, no. Um, yeah, I and w- once you once I read that in the snow notes, I was like, oh hey, that happened. Hmm. So yeah, it, it's an impact in my life about as much as it was going to. Uh, I want to circle back before we get before we dig deeper on Jade uh, before we go Jade mining. Um, do you think with the return of CM Punk, we're going to get a final confrontation with him and Kenny Olivier and uh, well, excuse me, take that out. Kenny Omega and the uh, the dumb fuck. I'm sorry, the Young Bucks and maybe FTR. Um, do you think we're actually going to make some pay per view money off of this, or are they just going to agree that never the tween shall meet? Well, to be honest with you, I, I'm not so sure that Punk wants to do it. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm not. I'm not pointing fingers. I'm saying, do you think we get that, or do they? One all thing I'll say about Kenny, one thing I'll say about Kenny Omega. I think the guy is professional and will do business. Oh yeah, I think so too. But I think at the same time, CM Punk will say no. But I can I, see. That I don't as know. Well. I don't know. I, I think that at the end of the day, Punk is a businessman as well. He has to know that this is going to put asses in seats. Oh, that'll buy him a lot of Mindy Mindy's muffins. I'll tell you that much right now. And Mindy, uh, Mindy's. I, I I just think at the end of the day, you know, money talks and bullshit walks. So I think we will see it. We may not see it right away. Right. But I yeah, no, wait, wait until it cools down and nobody cares anymore. Then, then, then we'll do it. I mean, if that's the AEW way. I mean, because I'm still waiting for that uh, Brian Hillman Jr. push. So Speaking is, of Dark Side of the Ring. So is nobody else. Yeah, um, no, has he been back on their television since everybody, he was made into America's sweetheart on Dark Side of the Ring? Yeah, he's doing uh, dark matches. Oh, there you go. That, that'll capitalize on it right there. Uh, him and Brock are both uh, honing their craft. Well, that's right that's lovely. Brock he Anderson, had the potential to be the biggest baby face in the company, uh, coming off that Dark Side of the Ring episode about his dad. But oh, yeah. They had like he was on screen maybe three or four times after that, and then Tony Khan lost that action figure in the back of his closet. They'll find it later. He found Miro recently down at the bottom of the toy box. Oh, I haven't played with this in a while. Bring it out. Uh, well, I have uh, seen the new figure reviews, uh, reveals, uh, speaking oh. of which. And uh, honestly, transition machine really have not been too impressed with AEW's uh, overall, except for the Danhausen. The Danhausen looks great. <laughs> He's very toyetic, as they say. I just, there's. I've been. Everybody's been waiting for a an elite style Danhausen figure. So uh, that one's that one is going to sell, sell, sell. I'll buy one. I also, I'm going to buy one of the. Uh, I thought it was interesting that AEW came out with a Lex Luger 
um figure that was interesting I yeah way to go way to go yeah. scissor me lex scissor me lexi uh, oh my god scissor, scissor me package um yeah no of course uh for those of you not in the know um which why would you be aew is releasing a billy gunn figure that looks suspiciously like lex luger in, in a lot of people's opinion uh, including this commentator Again, the legal term of art is confusingly similar. <laughs> so I don't know where that was headed, but there it is. Well, you know, now that you think about it, I never really compared the two. But kind of when I think about it, I'm not saying that they don't look somewhat alike. Well, big blonde guys never reached the very top of the business. I mean, you know, Lex was there for cups, various cups of coffee. Uh, I, but, I think Billy may actually be bigger than Lex. Well, well certainly, certainly now, now but You're such a jerk. But yes, he added. He, well, he was certainly taller than Lex, right? Lex was six three, six four, and Billy at his his tallest was six six. I want to say something like that. So yeah, I mean they're they're be comparable in size, if nothing else. I think that um, at his pinnacle, Lex may have had a little more de- definition, um, but. Who knows? I could be wrong. But yeah, we're getting so, into the always sunny discussion of the first Predator movie. <laughs> I mean, in body mass alone, <laughs> he is one ugly. Well, you know. Yeah. Well, anyway, so on to the main main event of the evening for us. We, of course, talking about WCW Clash fourteen took place January thirtieth, nineteen ninety one, at the Georgia Mountain Center in Gainesville, Georgia where the South go. shall apparently rise again. Uh, it like if, it never went away. If the uh, various flags are any indication that uh, was actually put out by the company, not so many out in the crowd. Yeah, I mean, they called the thing Dixie Dynamite, and then that title is superimposed on a, you know, screen, whatever, screen graphic uh, of the Confederate battle flag, which not to get the whole thing here, but uh, not the political th- flag of the Confederacy that, few people would recognize but what you think of the rebel flag. um the, yeah when people say say the rebel flag and then it opens up on, on the mountain center and in so, something of a rarity they say please everyone rise and remove your hats for the playing of the national anthem I'm like there's a non-zero chance they're about to play dixie they're gonna <laughs> play dixie in this thing right now and they didn't thankfully they played the, the but it just let the band play sort of dixie a, well they played dixie as he died um so this was, in fact, the night they drove old Dixie down, but it's kind of a stark reminder of how different the world was 30 years ago. I mean, this yeah. is in my lifetime. This is in mine in your lifetime. Uh, but, man, phew. you think we live in some strange times today. It was some strange stuff going on back in the day. Yeah, of course, the uh, the stars and bars are, are flying high on these graphics over here. Well, again, that's not uh, stars and bars, but it's not the point. Go ahead. Well, there's still stars and bars on it. That's the uh, St. Andrew's Cross one, but yeah, sure. You hush. Anyways, um, yeah, it, like like I said, some things just don't hold up well. Yeah, uh, that's a little embarrassing. And so, uh, you know what? Let's just get to the pay-per-view. Uh, <laughs> J.D., why don't you start us off? Well, you know, <clears throat> also, before I make, before... 
uh, get going. I do want to make a, a programming note uh, by way of correction. I said last week that uh, Sami Zayn was uh, Lebanese. He's in fact Syrian by, by uh, ethnicity. So apologies to all Syrians and Lebanese people and Sami, I guess. I don't know. One's any better than the other. Mostly white folks to me. All right, moving on. We have the on-again, off-again team of Sting and Lex Luger beating Doom via disqualification in ten and a half minutes. Um, Dusty is back here uh, at the announced position with with, uh, with Jim Ross, um, and so this is, I guess, right after he's come back from the WWF run with the polka dots. Uh, he, he's back in God's country, or failing that, Gainesville. Um, Dusty quips that Teddy Long is out buying condoms. Uh, I don't think that's what he meant. I think he meant a condo on the lake, but it's Dusty, so we're just going to let it ride. Uh, good good pace all the way through. Uh, you know, A lot of action, which is interesting considering you've got such powerhouses in Luger and, and both members of Doom, uh, Ron Simmons and Butch Reed. Um, timing wasn't as good as it, it might have been, uh, but that's kind of be expected because other than Butch Reed, everyone here is fairly green. Everybody here is about five years in or less in, in this match. Butch Reed would have been around a little bit longer than that. Uh, but there's not a ring general, uh, really, or n- nobody quarterback in this match. Um, you know, to kind of keep things operating smoothly. Uh, they're all tremendous athletes. Uh, they can do anything you need them to do, but sometimes they need to be told what to do when. And that, as we discussed before, that was always where Luger was. Uh, but that's not a knock against him. It's just he you can work with them, but you have to know how to work with them. Um, so anyway, they take a two-and-a-half-minute commercial break. This is back before the days of picture-in-picture. Uh, picture. Now you keep you going through the commercial break. And bear in mind, this is a clash of champions. So it is live and exciting color on TBS uh, rather than on pay-per-view. The finish was um, Dangerous Dan Spivey coming out to attack Luger outside the ring where Sting, the legal man, was pulverizing the Doom crew. Reed accidentally hits Simmons with a shoulder block to continue the heat for the eventual turn. Reed throws Sting over the top for a disqualification finish. Yeah, bear in mind at this point under the NWA rules, throwing some an opponent, intentionally throwing the opponent over the top rope is a disqualification and so that's how we get out of this match. Um, did nothing on the show afterwards to emphasize St- Spivey's attack on Luger. It's just Dan being Dan, baby. What you gonna do? Come on, that's it's Waylon Mercy doing his thing. Uh, doubtful the average fan even remembered it by the time the show was over. All that having been said, kind of a flat finish. I like the match. Yeah, I don't think you're gonna get too much of a better match out of this crew at this point in their careers. So I'm gonna give it a thumbs up. What, what say you, Ryan? Yeah, surprisingly. Uh, I was just dead set on this one sort of disappointing me, and it didn't. Yeah, uh, so good. I learned something about myself. Of course, the finish sucked. I, I don't like... Yeah, it's flat. I don't like the DQ for throwing somebody over the top right the Saint the Royal Rumble. But, I mean, well, I mean, it's not even that. Um, yeah, I, I never cared for that role at all. But uh, Meltzer gives it two and three quarters. I'll stick with that. I think that's that's pretty fair. Um, up next, we got the Z-Man, Tom Zink, taking on Bobby Eaton. Uh, before the show started, they uh, Meltzer opines that 
they must have had the uh, crowd chant Bobby, Bobby. So when they came out, they played a tape of the chant to give the illusion that Bobby was incredibly over. Um, and anyways, uh, but in every case that he's seen WCW do this, uh, like with Lex Luger when he was a heel, they do it for a heel, which defeats the illusion that you're trying to create that the crowd doesn't like the guy. So Meltzer actually does have a point there. Um, however, they're in Gainesville, Georgia. Bobby Eaton is from Huntsville, which ain't too terribly far away. Certainly closer than Minnesota, where uh, sexiest WCW sexiest wrestler Tom Zink is, uh, is from. Who for some for some somehow beat out Arn Anderson for that, right? That rigged. But uh, anyway, so. Meltzer seems to think that Bobby Eaton's not over there. I disagree. There's 2,200 people in attendance. How over can you be? Mm-hmm. And so, um, basic, he calls it a basic good match with some stiff shots and near falls at the finish. Um, Zink actually wore his TV title that he lost weeks earlier, and it was billed as a TV title match, which uh, apparently Mr. Z-Man lost it in Perry, Georgia, uh, and uh, exposed, he says it exposed the business to everyone in Perry and any hardcore fan. Uh, Bobby Eaton actually gets the win with a backslide here. Uh, excuse me, not Bobby Eaton. Tom Zink uh, gets the uh, win on beautiful Bobby Eaton uh, with a backslide. I would say not too many matches post, uh, I'd say 1980 or one with a backslide. Yeah, it's uh, a rarity. But, uh, Good to see that old school uh, win. Meltzer gives it three stars. I'm going to give it three and a quarter. I thought it was damn good. Uh, just sort of old school. Uh, Z-Man was always, in my opinion, was always a willing dance partner. Um, if you put him in a ring with somebody that could care, that, well, I won't say caring, but he could team up with, uh, so to speak, his ma- his matches would be pretty good. Uh, and of course, Bobby Eaton. What there's <laughs> can't really say. If it's a bad though. match, it's not Bobby's fault. Exactly. Either that, or it's uh, he's sick. Even right. then, yeah. even then, it's just okay. Uh, but uh, anyway, so yeah, what do you think? Well, you know, first of all, uh, also uh, another program note here. Since I did start watching this uh, clash instead of twenty four last week, I got a little conflated here, and this is where. Tony Schiavone has voted Tom Zink WCW Sexiest Wrestler. So I uh, apologize for getting those two shows conflated. But, um, you know, it, we should also probably talk a little bit about why Tom Zink would ha- still have the TV title that he already lost. They shot a lot of things out of order in this time period. So, like, that Perry show may have aired, if it aired, if it was a TV taping, they may, it may have aired after this live clash. I don't know. You'd see that a lot, especially with what they call the Disney tapings. Once um, Bischoff takes over and they start filming uh, WCW Saturday night down at the um, WC, uh, the Disney MGM studio lot, uh, they would tape weeks at a time uh, in, in one or two days. Like in a weekend of taping, they might tape three or four months worth of shows. So people would gain and lose belts in that weekend, but then have to carry him around for weeks, uh, having already lost him at the taping or whatever the case may be. So in case you're wondering how that happened, that's pro it's probably something like that. The match itself is perfectly fine to your point. You know, um, 
Zake has a lot of athletic ability. He's just not, he never was a really a polished worker, but he could be led. Um, and, and Bobby Eaton's just the man to do it. So yeah, perfectly fine match. Um, and also to point out, you may say, oh yeah, expose the business to the fans of Perry, Georgia. Well, yeah, I'll have you know, sir, Perry, Georgia is of course the home of the Georgia National Fair. That's right. The, the state fair of the nation of Georgia is and held in Perry. All right. So put some respect on Perry, Georgia's name. <laughs> well, up next, you got the Freebirds and Tommy Rich and Oh, wow. Green Eagle. Yeah. I was, who the heck is that guy? Did he wind up being somebody? I don't know who that is. <laughs> I I watching this, like, who is that? This had to be a late scratch. Yeah. <laughs> like, like we found this guy. He just called himself Alan Green Eagle. I seriously, <laughs> like, he's not even on Wikipedia. Uh. Uh-uh. Like, all that comes up apparently is that, um, all Auburn's former athletic director was named Alan Green. So you, you Google Alan Green Eagles, all Auburn stuff. So yeah, apparently he's made no impression on the internet as Alan Green Eagle. Uh, but yeah, so you get the Freebirds, of course, the Garvin version of the Freebirds, so not as good. But uh, Michael PSAs and, and uh, Jimmy Gar- Jimmy Jam Garvin out. Now, have the courage of your convictions, uh, WCW and, and Michael PSAs. If you're going to call the thing Dixie Dynamite and have the rebel flag superimposed over the screen, at least have the courtesy to wear your old Freebirds Confederate flag robe, Michael PSAs. Where are you at? Come on. If we're go- you're going to be a bear, be a grizzly. Um, they come <laughs> but, out. But he can wear it at the WrestleMania 17. Yeah, he wore it. Yeah, we got inducted in the Hall of Fame in the 2000s. But he can't wear it here in, let's face it, very friendly territory. Uh, come on. What are we doing? Where are you at? He, he could have left it at a hooker's house, you know. In all fairness, uh, but he knows all the hookers in Gainesville. They'd have brought it to him. Hey, lost hey. my phone. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so moving on. Um, it's there. It, it certainly happened. Um, to your point, I could see um, Alan Green Eagle being being a late add add on from the uh, the from the inactive roster uh, to pair up with Wildfire Tommy Rich, baby, former NWA World Heavyweight Champion. Wildfire Tommy Rich, so respect him while you're spitting Perry, Georgia. I'm getting uh, fired up. Somebody say something, I get fired up. Oh. Uh, <laughs> oh. I don't know, no, I don't know nothing about no Missy Hyatt. <laughs> All right. So just look up Tommy Rich. He's worth the Google. Uh that, that would be the full blooded Italian Tommy Rich uh, of ECW fame. Uh yeah, so since we're talking about people's past and future gimmicks you can kind of tell what this match was nothing um you can see why green eagle didn't go too too far when he forgets to sell hayes's famous left uh hayes pretty stiff with him from there on out uh which it's gonna happen yeah that i mean hayes not noted to be a badass but if you're not putting him over he's gonna not give you much option uh if he can help it and alan green eagle clearly not in a position to complain uh politically so good pacing, it's fine. It's just it's there, um, and yeah, it, this seems like a replacement add-on match, which it very well may have been. So I'm gonna give her a um, 
I'm going to give her a thumbs down. But it, Green Eagle gets pinned after the double DD, DDT by the Freebirds behind the ref's back. Um, yeah, it, we probably said all we need to about this. Go ahead. We sure did. Moving on, there's uh, Sid Vicious uh, taking on Joey Max. But before that, there was a interview with Polly Dangerously. Uh, the interview right. was noteworthy, uh, according to Meltzer, because it's the first time in history he had ever seen three different announcers all try to steal the crowd's interest from a guy doing an interview. Uh, Dusty interrupted him, uh, interrupted to get himself over. Uh, Tony Schiavone was making faces to steal the crowd's focus from Polly. And even Tim Ross was making faces seemingly to stay on Dusty's good side. Anyway, after Sid's match, he did an interview and it wasn't bad, really. But uh, Sid uh, pins Joey Mags with a powerbomb in a minute 12. Um, I mean, like, what, what can you say? Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a squash uh, match on that. Sid, Sid did exactly what he was supposed to do. Yeah. I yeah, mean, no, he just Joey Max you know. is not going to give you a five star Broadway. Neither. Well, Sid can if you put him in there with maybe Sean, Sean Michael. But, yeah. Um, I mean, I still think that Royal Rumble match that him and Sean has got to be one of the best ones. That's that is his best match, but uh, likely. Um, I you know, I would like to sing more of him and Razor Ramon back in the day. Uh, just you know, someone a little bit more um, picking on somebody his own size, sort of a thing, and, and Scott could have gotten something out of it. I feel like. Yeah, I agree. Joy Mags really could have benefited from Razor Ramon. Um, oh, you mean Sid? Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean it's it's a squash match. It that was there for one reason and one reason only and that's to get Sid over and make him look strong and to that extent Joey Mags did what he was supposed to do as did Sid so I don't hate it but it's I, I'm not even going to rate it it's not a match it's a execution it's an angle yeah so up next we got Terry Taylor and Richard Morton Take it's not away. Richard yet right because that, that's, that's to come correct because we've got Alexander York Saying that she's going to announce the new, uh, the newest member of the York, um, the York Foundation. What was it? Yeah. What did she call it? Anyway. So, Terrence, the soon to be Terrence Taylor, pinning the soon to be Richard Morton at 11.53 after Morton misses a drop kick. Yeah. So, Alexander York, who we all uh, know and love as Terry Runnels or Marlena uh, for you mid 90s WWF fans. Uh, announces that she's going to be surprising uh, everyone with her newest selection for for the York Foundation. Which again, this is a gimmick. I feel like it's kind of ahead of its time. It's not a bad idea. This whole I've got a computer program that's going to uh, you know help my guys win. There is sort of you know um, analytics before that was really a thing in sports. So it, it's sort of uh, you know Moneyball brought to professional wrestling in twenty years early. It's not the worst idea in the world. The execution, we could argue, is flawed. But, man, they really lean into the whole sort of Wall Street, I mean, the movie Wall Street, yuppie mentality with, with Terrence Taylor and, and Richard Morton and you know, all the guys that they, they use the more formalized version of their name. And, and Terry Taylor, of course, he looks like a million bucks here. So he's definitely the guy to do it with, I feel like. Um, 
any rate, so uh, Microtunda was, I think, the first one in the York Foundation, and now Taylor's going to be joining them. Um, you know, Meltzer opines that Terry's probably a little bit better for this role because he can talk a little bit more. He has a little more better name value. Um, so, you know, they, they, the announcer spent most of this match hyping the Flair versus Scott Steiner match, so it really makes makes this one shine. Uh, which, to be fair, Flair versus Steiner, that's a big deal uh, at this era or at any era, really, uh, particularly for the world title. So, again, another commercial break, no picture, picture. We come back. York is now at ringside along with Taylor. She hasn't announced him yet, technically. Um, everyone kind of pretended that they didn't know why she was there, although her vignette had made that obvious. Uh, Morton turns his back. Taylor clotheslines him. It's kind of a weak heel turn. That's not the worst. I mean, that's not the biggest heel turn I've ever seen, but uh, the announcer didn't really sell it very well either. That that was your finish. Um, at, at, well, excuse me. Morton goes up for a drop kick and miss, misses. Taylor pins him. The match itself is good. I just wish the announcers had, you know, watched it. So I, I'm going to give it a, a thumbs up. And again, like the Dangerous Alliance, I wish we could have seen a better version of the York Foundation. I think it's a good idea in principle. Yeah. I, uh, of course, I mean, this match is, I knew going in, I was going to like it. Uh, right. Meltzer, well, Meltzer it's like the Bobby Eaton it. principle. It's not going to be bad. Yeah. I, uh, uh, Meltzer gives it three stars. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it three and a half. I thought it was very good. Uh, I don't know about being the computerized man of the nineties, but uh, that is me looking back at it, you know, 30, 40 years later. Um, yeah, I just, uh, you know, some, <laughs> maybe some of the stuff that they said doesn't really hold up that well, but the, but the in-ring work definitely does. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I, like I said, I gave it three and a half, thought it was very well done. Um, great job, gentlemen. And of course the, uh, the match we've all been looking for. Here it is. Uh, looking forward to is uh, Ranger Ross pinning El Cubano and 313 with a sunset flip. So I wonder how many uh, matches or excuse me, match cards we've seen where people win with both a sunset flip and a backslide. I'm just trying to think the last time I saw Ranger Ross win. I had to Google Ranger Ross. I do I remember not Ranger remember. Ross. I saw him winning. I don't remember El Cubano. I didn't uh, know who that was. Uh, yeah, uh, apparently that's David Sierra, and that does not help me out at all. Uh, but anyways, he had to wear a mask because he's on TV and in an up upcoming angle as a babyface's Eligante's trainer. For the life of me, I don't remember Eligante having a trainer. But then again, that's, you know. Hello, hello, <laughs> yeah, I don't think he uh, ever ever broadcast that fact. But this the match was trained. The match was uh fast paced, uh, but nobody wanted to see it. <laughs> and uh Ross was booked on the show before the war broke out. Originally it would come down from the ceiling of the CNN center, but with the move to Gainesville, that uh, was rather impossible. Uh so they booked him to wrestle instead. So they booked Jim Ross to come down from the ceiling at the CNN center? Yeah, Jim Ross. Also, also oh. Ranger Ross is mm -hmm. also uh, this. Uh, actually, a, a lot of people don't know this. Ranger Ross is actually Jim Ross's father. Sure, yeah, uh, that, that is a, a true fact. I could I could look at them and tell for sure. Well, Jim Ross, 
Well, actually, I, I think you have it backwards. Jim Ross is Ranger Ross's father because he he is Ranger Ross is of course the love love child of Jim Ross and Ranger Rick, the uh, cartoon the cartoon raccoon. Uh, so yeah. If you're hearing this, I want to hear. I want to see hashtag Ranger Ross facts. That's true. Ranger Ross, you know, created Twitter. <laughs> so, so uh, very, I thought so. he created Parlor. Well, the thing is, like, he created Twitter, and then El Cubano came around and said, "Hey, I'm going to take this and create Parlor." And of course, you yeah, know, Par a, Parlor yeah. jobbed out to Twitter. Sure. So. Um, yeah, I thought that was wasn't that the plot of Pirates of Silicon Valley? Do I have that right? No, he he was uh, he did write Pirates of the Caribbean though. Okay, good. Hashtag. What about Barry Windham? Who who what did he write? Who did he ever be? Not Ranger Ross. There you go. I bet he did. <laughs> he made. Moving have. on, we have two of my favorite variation of the Horseman, uh, Barry Windham and Arn Anderson, the true sexiest man in, in WCW. Beating Mark and Chris Youngblood. I remember Mark. I don't remember Chris hardly at all. Um, Youngblood. Uh, they beat him in seven and a half minutes. Barry pins Chris with a superplex. Uh, Meltzer would opine that Anderson has probably the best facial expressions in the business and was the best performer on this card. Well, the sky is blue and water is wet now, isn't it? Uh, Arn Anderson's the best performer on the card. No kidding. Um, now, I don't know why he stopped at best facials. I mean, best face, best body, best hair, best been looked 45 years old my entire life. All that's Arn Anderson. Come on. But yeah, it's it's a match. It happened. Uh, it's not bad I mean, for, a, you know, a seven and a half minute squash match. It's pretty good. So I give it a thumbs up. Yeah, Melser gives it three and a quarter. I thought it was great. Um, I mean, how can you have a bad match with Barry Windham and Arn Anderson? I, I feel like we're I saying this a lot. I mean, you've got tremendous workers here in wcw at this and, and i mean i really like what they're doing here they're putting seasoned veterans with people that they're trying to put over yeah or, imagine or, that. Or presumably they're either squashing them or trying to put them over well teach them well either way they're teaching them you know what i mean they're they're teaching them something so um exactly. you know mark and chris youngblood i dare say were better for having worked with barry and r after this match uh, and they probably yeah, did a whole series of them around the uh, around yeah the i don't think they're gonna have a good match with the colossal kongs they, no. they will have a good match with Barry and Arn. That's right. And if you can't have a good match with Barry and Arn, you need to get the hell out of you town. You need to not, not do this anymore. But uh, anyways, up next there's Brian Pillman taking on Sergeant Buddy Lee Parker. Oh, State and Patrol. And yet another squash match. Um, yeah, man, Buddy Lee Parker, uh, old Sarge. Um uh, he, yeah, from later of the power plant thing. Yeah, he is uh, probably better known as the head trainer of the WCW power plant, which was uh, really the first uh, the first uh, we'll call it the wrestling school made by a major promotion, uh, somewhat of a train a uh, model for NXT a bit, a little bit. When was the ECW House of Hardcore? When did that start? After the after probably after the power plant, I believe so because okay. that that would that, that come to mind. Yeah, that wouldn't have came on until the, it was actually Extreme Championship Wrestling, which would be what 94 actually. Ninety three, ninety four. Yeah. So we're in ninety one right now. Oh, actually, I don't remember when the WCW power plant was. Ninety four, wasn't it? Started around the same time. 
probably around the same time. So that's what I'm saying. I don't know which one was first. Um. Apparently, mm, apparently, on, it, apparently, on. it opened in 1989. So the power plant. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Huh. I thought that that was a Bischoff thing. I thought it was too. Well, I take that back. I don't know that it was Bischoff. I thought it was a Watts thing. So here's what it says about the WCW power plant is that it was uh, founded by wrestler Jody Hamilton mm -hmm. who opened the training center in 1989 and Lovejoy. It became the official school of WCW and relocated to Jonesboro in 1991 and still, 19, in 1995. Thought. Okay. So 1995, it officially becomes the power plant uh, okay. and relocated to Atlanta. So, um, yeah, I mean the the school itself starts in eighty nine, uh, goes into ninety one, but doesn't become the power plant until nineteen ninety five. That's that's interesting. I, mm -hmm. I didn't realize it dated back quite so far. But uh, House of Hardcore, oh, that was way way after. But anyway, so. Pillman gets the uh, pin on Buddy Lee Parker with a flying body press. Uh, Pillman, of course, is going to have some hot moves on that. It was a squash. Mm -hmm. uh, Meltzer gives it a star in three-quarter. Again, it's so short, I'm just not even going to rate it. So, But I, I enjoy it. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a squash. It's meant to make Pillman look strong. So um, up next, we have uh, what is quite possibly the most entertaining uh, part of this uh, card. J.D., take it away. Well, the most entertaining parts, certainly. Um, they, during the aforementioned Pauly Dangerously promo, they, they discussed his uh, a forthcoming arm wrestling match with, with Missy Hyatt, who, uh, as previously discussed with Tommy Rich, he knows nothing about her. Um, so they come out, and Pauly's doing his hype up the crowd thing. He's trying to be... Mr. Tough Guy, I forget what the whole purpose of this was other than to kill time. Uh, Missy comes out to much adulation from the audience, no kidding. Um, I actually had to watch it twice here to see exactly what had happened because I'm only halfway paying attention because, okay, it's an arm wrestling segment, I don't really care. She refuses to to lock up with, with Paul Lee. They have one of those, you know, over-the-top style, you know, you grab onto the one handle and then you, you know, lock up in the middle and, and arm wrestle. She refuses to engage here a couple of times, then zips up, unzips her very 90s windbreaker to reveal an even more 90s uh, leotard and her very 80s uh, cleavage uh, happening there. So the way it was shot, I couldn't tell initially that that was supposed to be distracting Heyman. He was looking at that and she slammed his hand down in like half a second. I had to watch it twice, not for any other reason other than <laughs> to figure out what what they were going for here. Sure, uh, JD. Sure. So, yeah, that's what it was. Paul gets distracted by the boobs. He gets his hand smacked down in in you know half a second. The end. Well, that was you certainly know what? Maybe a lot of do, setup for nothing. Maybe we need to do a live watch along of this. It should have been a watch along. Yeah, it should have <laughs> been a watch along. But I mean, like the whole thing is over in you know thirty seconds, and it's just a lot of build up for nothing. And the innuendos continue. Yeah, Meltzer would say that his female audience had some issues with, and first of all, Meltzer has a female audience? Has some issues with some of the commentaries, commentators, 
comments uh, after the match or after the sequence. Dave says basically, you know, this would this appeals to your sort of lowest common denominator, raunchy men. So me and Ryan, and he says, that's fine as long as you know that it has limited appeal. And to be fair, he he has a point there. There is, you know, the just like hardcore wrestling, a quote unquote adult oriented content is not going to ever really be mainstream. But there is an audience for it. But it, you know, it's it's limited. But shall we say passionate? Uh, so that's what happened. This was a let me up segment to lead into our main event of the evening. One Ric Flair, at this point, I think seven times your world heavyweight champion versus from a highly educated university, the doctor, doctor of maths himself, Scott Steiner, mullet Scott Steiner, neon, neon unitard or singlet Scott Steiner. Good times. Here we go. What do you think about this one, Ryan? Eh. Oh. Eh. Oh. Rick and Flair went to a TV time limit draw on 24-25. Uh, Steiner had been doing nothing but tag matches for the last year and a half. and um, He looked like he was blown up after about 10 minutes in this. Maybe it's just me. Well, uh, I think maybe it's just Flair. He blows everybody up. Scott just seemed to have issues pacing himself, which if you've been doing nothing but tag team matches for the last year and a half, you know that your time is precious, so you got to get moving uh, like that. So um, I can certainly see why he would wrestle like that. Uh, I I didn't hate it as much as apparently Meltzer did. Meltzer gives it two and three quarter stars. I'm going to give it a three. Um, it's not... Three has got to be the floor for Flair, right? Uh, is, uh, oh, well, he did wrestle El Gigante. So three is the uh, floor for Flair, right? If uh, <laughs> if he didn't if he didn't wrestle his last match, he didn't wrestle one with El Gigante either. No, he wrestled his uh, Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania. He definitely wrestled. That was beautiful. You know, that's not what I'm talking about. That's what I heard about. Um, it's a uh, Final few minutes when it came to time to turn it on, it, it just wasn't really working uh, for Steiner. Steiner at this point is is sort of green. I won't, I won't call him green as baby poop, but he's he's get he's he is not quite as seasoned as what uh, what he will become in the future. Uh, if this match happens two or three years. Uh, two or three years into into the future, I think you're looking at a much better match than what we had. Um, certainly, if it's you know 94, 95, 90, 96, up until late 90s, I think you're still looking at a great match between these two. As a matter of fact, I think they had one. But uh, yeah, it just uh, Flair can pull a lot of rabbits out of his hat. He just uh, didn't pull as big of a nice uh, as nice of a rabbit. Melzer gives it two and three quarters. I'm I'm gonna give it three. I, I liked it. Uh, all right, but it's it's the floor for me as far as Flair can, is concerned. How about you? Well, when you hear Ric Flair versus Scott Steiner for the NWA World Championship, you think it's gonna be tremendous. I mean, but that's with the benefit of hindsight, knowing what Scott would become later on. To your point, he is very early in his career here, but obviously they see the star potential. I mean, who doesn't? In Scott Steiner, um, guy built like that, who at this point could still move like the Scott Steiner we we 
Um, it's not as good as it should have been. And to your point, it's not as good as it would be later on. But that having been said, it's not bad. I mean, it, you know, this isn't Flair dragging Steiner to a good match. It's guiding him because he he's capable of following even at this level. So while it's not what I would have thought or would have wanted just from hearing the matchup announced, it's not bad. So, yeah, I give it a, a marginal thumbs up. It's not the best match on the card, probably, but that's okay. Arn can't be in all of them. Yeah, it's just there's not a lot to say here, really, other than this is sort of a preview of coming attractions. Scott Steiner's going to be a big deal. In fact, I think Bruce uh, Pritchard talked about, they talked about him coming in and winning was the 94 Rumble and then going on and winning the belt. Like, just that that was his debut. Like, he would come in. Like, his debut would be at the Rumble. It was 93, 94, something like that. And so just a couple of years removed from here, winning the Rumble as his first match in WWF and then winning the belt uh, at WrestleMania. So, yeah, everyone can see Scott's star qualities as they can see his nephew's star qualities to this very day. Uh, I was reading a, a an online um, message board recently about who should be Brock's last match. And the consensus was basically it needs to be Guther or Braun Breaker because, you know, that, that would do them both a world of good uh, to retire a, a Brock Lesnar. And they seem like they're, they're worth it. They're worthy of that honor for one of the younger guys. So yeah, that, that Rex Steiner uh, DNA, that Rex Steiner star quality is coming through, but it still needs some time to incubate with, with Scott at this point. So marginal thumbs up. But overall, we've talked about it. We've talked about it every time we watch one of these old WCW shows, surprisingly good. Maybe not creatively, but in the ring, surprisingly good. I agree. I'm not offended at all. Well, after the flag got off the screen. Yeah, yeah, sure. I say overall, um, I'll, I'll give it. I'd give it two and a half stars out of five. I think it, I think it's not bad. Had its moments. Definitely had some, <laughs> maybe not so good moments. But I mean, Jesus Christ, man, I, we could go back and watch the during the night uh, Monday Night Wars and find much worse crap than what we saw here. So, oh yeah, no, no, it would get worse from here. For sure, for sure, for sure. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for following us this this far. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Facebook at Army of Smartness. And hit that email with the Gmail, armyofsmartness at gmail.com. Send us those comments, five-star reviews, nasty comments, great comments, as long as you comment. J.D., I believe we have a bit of a request. All right. Well, okay. Maybe this would work better if it was a video podcast, but if you'll turn on my Rick Rude music. But, oh, is that a different request? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Keep the noise down, please, sir. A uh, friend of the show, Chris, has uh, has a request. He says, pick five matches that shows someone who knows nothing about wrestling, never watched a second of it, five matches to show them why it is so wonderful. Hmm. So. Now, and that, that's what we're going to do for next week. Yeah. Okay, now. Not to disparage uh, Chris's suggestion, which is a fine one, and I think is a certainly a worthwhile endeavor, but just keep in mind that a lot of your favorite matches, you have to be familiar with the buildup to really get the most out of it. 
it's not that's not the case all the time and i think we can definitely pull some examples where that isn't the case but you know when the mega powers explode you know if you just watch that hogan versus savage match and you're not familiar with the backstory will it mean as much to you probably not but doesn't make it a not worthwhile match so you know just something to bear in mind as we're going through these very much so and uh tune in next week we're gonna figure we're gonna figure out how to do this (laughs) i certainly will but uh anyways jd if you got anything else for our audience i'll see you on the dark side of the ring well we'll go for the cover the count and the victory of this thank you guys so much and jd i will bid our listening audience adieu i do